0: In this edition of Hoopsology's In The Lab, Justin and Matt break down if the league should punish Damian Lillard for expressing his interest in only playing for the Miami Heat. Then we discuss what changes need to be made for the upcoming NBA season. Lastly, we discuss the latest change in coming to the announced booth at ESPN. Please email your questions to hoopsologypod at gmail.com and follow us on all social media platforms for our latest shows. Also, subscribe to our latest content on our YouTube channel. We are a proud member of Underdog Podcast, and now Hoopsology's In The Lab.
1: Welcome to another episode of In The Lab with Hoopsology. I am one of your co-hosts, Matt Thomas, joined by my best friend and co-host Justin Goodrum. Justin, how you doing, man?
0: Doing good.
1: Uh, It's August,
0: time flies. It's a little bit slow, basketball news-wise, but I can't complain about
1: yourself. Doing good as well. As you know, went on vacation last week, had a little chance to put my feet up by a lake that we like to visit. So really nice to have that downtime. Really nice also to chat with Kyle Speller and to release that episode. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode last week. We really always enjoy talking to Kyle. And uh, I was glad to have him back on because I remember while watching the finals, I mean, hearing... His voice roaring in the background and and on the uh, uh, team player introductions and everything was uh, always kind of made it extra cool that we had talked to him earlier in the season and now he was in in the finals getting to call those so if you haven't gotten a chance to check it out please do it's a really fun episode really fun chat with Kyle about his experience in winning the title in those final moments as the clock ticked down and then the confetti rained down in Denver, what that all was like. So without further ado, even though, as you mentioned, it's August is kind of dead time in the NBA. We've got a lot to talk about today and a lot that we're looking forward to talk about. First thing we're going to get into is this Damian Lillard story that came out just earlier this week. Give me just a second here and I will pull it up. There it is. So the NBA finally has something to say. I mean, I guess you could say better late than never on this Damian Lillard situation and specifically the fact that Damian Lillard requested a trade to the Heat specifically. And I know players make trade requests all the time. That's that's no secret here, Justin, of course. Not saying that, but specifically that it's just been so public as and, and maybe just via his agent has, has just made it so apparent that, Hey, if you trade for me, even though I have years left on my contract, I'm not paying, I'm not playing for you unless you're the Miami heat and the league issued a memo to both Damian Lillard and his agent, Aaron Goodwin, that, uh, there could be discipline for them if they continue making these sort of, sort of statements, and there could be discipline in future cases if players make these types of trade requests. Justin, just broadly speaking, your thoughts on this news? I mean, is it appropriate, too heavy-handed, or, or just what were your thoughts when this news came out?
0: And it's a tough situation. I can see both sides. I mean, from a fan perspective, who wants to hear that your star player wants to leave? I mean, that's not fun to hear. And then that's not fun to hear from a viewership standpoint when the season starts when you have a, you know, disgruntled player. And so, you know, let's say Portland's playing, I don't know, Orlando, and Lillard has two points. All of a sudden, is it because Lillard just had a bad night or if he dis- dis- he's disengaged? So that creates a whole um mutiny of problems now i don't i mean that's a pretty drastic example but you i mean you get my point so i i understand it from damian lillard's perspective too in terms of you know his frustration being there i mean cj mccullum's gone i feel like they've extended everything that could have done in portland he wants to win he's a competitor i, I think if you listen to damian lillard this is Not a person that plays basketball just for money. I think he wants to play for legacy and for championships, and he feels like he can't do that in Portland. So I see both sides of the situation. To me, I like transparency. I like honesty. So I appreciate what Damian Lillard um, has done in terms of what team he wants to play for. And him just being honest. But at the same time, you have to wonder, too. I mean, there's other teams that have been in a mix as well. So we've heard Brooklyn. We've heard New York. So there's a hypothetical situation. If he gets traded to a team that's not Miami, but it's a team that he may like, who knows? They might be able to convince him to stay. Like, I don't think that's an impossible. Um, and I don't think – I don't know how much it hurts the league. I mean, it's controversy. <laughs> as a former – I'm going to put a wrestling reference out there. Uh, former WCW president Eric Bischoff says controversy <laughs> creates cash. I mean, if there's controversy around him, if he gets traded to, you know, a top market, you know, I think that's going to create a lot of drama that could be good for the league, even though it's drama. So I don't know. I maybe I'm being kind of wishy washy about this, but I don't think it's that big of a deal unless he's just being disruptive towards Portland. So that means, you know, not actively training, not actively attending training camp, you know, His performance is being decreased dramatically, then there's a problem. But as long as he's attending training camp, if he's, you know, keeping up to his previous averages and he's playing to the best of his ability, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. But I mean, I might be in a minority with that opinion.
1: Yeah, I guess where I would come down a little bit harsher on this is when you look around reports this week. Um, even I believe, uh, Brian Windhorse was reporting that the only team and, and forgive me if, if I'm citing the wrong person where I saw this, but, um, there've been several people saying is, is my point that Damian Lillard is only getting, or Portland rather, excuse me, is only getting trade offers from the Miami heat. The other teams have kind of quiet quitted, so to speak on this trade. Um, and, and I think that is what, Caused Adam Silver and, and the NBA front office to send out this memo to the team because they're trying to also get more teams involved because the the main problem with this I, I think there are plenty of situations known and unknown where players have demanded hey I'm only going to this specific team I don't think that situation is actually. All that uncommon, all that unfounded. The problem is with it going public; it now has really, really hurt Portland's chances at getting the most value possible for Damian Lillard. And so now it, you're putting them at a competitive disadvantage.
0: Now I understand. I think from that point, I just I agree with you because you want every team to have a, a chance to um, go for Lillard's services, and when you do that, you kind of. I don't know. It's supposed to be, you know, a free market for all these teams to inquire for trade possibilities. And when you do that, I think it's unfair. So I agree with you.
1: Yeah. And I, I do wonder, you know, what the punishment would entail if say this really got some teeth or, or there was more, you know, fire or smoke, so to speak from Damian Lillard's camp. I mean, what would the league, be willing to do. And in my mind, that comes down to maybe we see like a 10 game suspension or something to be served, whatever team he lands on. Um, But again, that (coughs) scenario there. Yeah. and, And that also hurts the trade value, which if, you know, the point I made earlier stands that competitive advantage is being taken away. That's something that takes away competitive advantage. So I guess the other option would be to find Damian Lillard directly. And I guess that would make the most sense, but really if he gets like a 5k fine over this, you know, it's just like with a 5k fine over flopping. I mean, does anybody really care? Does it, does it matter or have any teeth at all? Is it really even a punishment? um yeah so i think just a a very interesting situation all around in you know what has been i guess the the last big controversy and talking point that really stands out in my mind was ben simmons holding out for that season of basketball and i think the controversy there in my mind was sort of does he deserve to be paid for his contract or not um, cause there were certain stipulations where if he didn't practice in his contract, he wasn't going to end up getting paid. And then they found kind of some loopholes and then he did come back to practice, even though he was on the other side of the court. So he did end up getting paid his, his contract as much as I think for a while there in the initial stages of that holdout, Daryl Morey was trying to make sure he wouldn't get paid or to use it as incentive to get him to come back. So, how how do you feel overall i mean about and this will lead to a bigger topic later but the overall state of nba transactions we're we're going big picture now uh because you and i both know that collusion is happening all the time between players in the league i mean is that something with this news breaking even though the, this is a different case by nature than that i mean should there be more in terms of investigation and enforcement in terms of that stuff?
0: I don't think so. I mean, I don't know. I'm in a minority. I never understood the whole collusion thing. If players want to play with each other, that's fine. And even we've seen – look look at the Heat, right? They put the team together, supposedly. That was talked about during Team USA, right? Right. The first year they get together, what happens? They lose. Like, it wasn't like the Heat won 10 championships.
1: And Mark Cuban was the one – Ironically enough, you know, yeah. vying for them to be penalized for that. Yeah. This team ends up beating them in the finals. <laughs> I just, of, I don't know. Sort of I just, there.
0: Yeah. I mean, look, look, take a look at the league now. Look at the Denver Nuggets. Are they a super team? They're greatly constructed. The Bucks. are they a super team? No. I mean, you take a look at the Warriors. They drafted all their players. So to me, this whole thing about, oh, we're going to get five of these guys and they're going to dominate the league and get all these wins. <laughs> look at brooklyn i mean that's supposed to be the most unstoppable dynasty is this the next dynasty and in it in a you know <laughs> in flames so if players i don't know i'm in a minority i know but if players want to collude so be it doesn't it to me i don't i think it helps the league in terms of ratings and then it mm. doesn't guarantee them winning the title anyway i think evidence points to that fact so yeah if they want to talk to each other so be it i think my issue is with ben simmons like you brought up you shouldn't get paid for your services if you want more money, I mean, if we just say, "Hey, we want to get paid more at our jobs, we get fired <laughs> so if you if you were just gonna hold out for five months, I mean, you know look at the strike now with the union right with the writers and you know actors like they're not getting paid i mean they they're negotiating so with Ben Simmons, I mean, with with sports, it's weird, right? Like you kind of get rewarded for just sitting and negotiating. So I think in that regard, I don't think you should be paid for that. Um, if you want to sit out, that's my opinion.
1: Yeah, good points. Um, so I guess you know, on your super team point, watch out next year, Phoenix Suns. I, I guess would be <laughs> the the takeaway I get from that. No, I'm just playing. No. Um, <laughs> the uh, I- interestingly enough, you know. A few weeks ago on this podcast, my prediction was Damian Lillard will be traded before the season starts. I, I just think that you know they, they want to get that out of the locker room, have no chance of negatively impacting Scoot Henderson's rookie year there since they were able to get him in the draft. Um JE Skeets of the No Dunks podcast predicted this week that Damian Lillard will be traded this week. So oh, wow. he's, he's definitely in agreement with me yeah. and thinks that's going to happen this week. We'll, that's we'll see, good. I guess, yeah. I guess we can give to like Saturday night to see if, if yeah. that happens. Clock's ticking. Um, yeah. But I, I do agree that it, with the sentiment though, I don't know that it happens this week or not, but I agree with the sentiment that I think sooner, the sooner, the better for, um, I, I think for all parties involved, honestly, I, I think, they can really incentivize getting some more assets and like let's let's just get this out of the news cycle. Let's get this done, get it over with. Both parties can be happier and hopefully better off for it. Yeah. Uh, although it never feels like it's <laughs> like that's the case when you trade away a yeah. mega superstar like Damian Lillard. But we'll see what happens. Um so I alluded to it earlier, Justin, and this is a good point in time during the off season. We're going to have some more fun kind of concept-based episodes coming your guys' way. Hope you enjoy that kind of content. We certainly enjoy making it. One thing I want to ask that we talked about last off season two, I think it's good to look back and reflect what is the NBA doing well? Maybe what what is the NBA not doing well, if you want to talk about that. But main topic here, as you know, is what changes do you want to see in the league? I, I think you and I both agree for the vast majority of the time, it's a solid product out there on the court. Certainly the talent level, we always say, the depth of talent in the league has never been higher, but what is the way to best maximize that talent? Is the league doing everything it can right now as it should be done, or are there some changes that you'd like to see? I certainly have a few, but I want to start with you, Justin, um, and, and we can you know, break down these topics or uh, just kind of rapid fire. Either way, we can see where the wind takes us. But what do you have yeah. first? Yeah, um, you know, I say it every year, and that's less games. <laughs> I think this season's mm. too
0: long. Um mm. just I just think there's a lot of downtime within this season. And, you know, my my thoughts is you start the season Christmas. And you're talking about doing the play in the the play at the uh in season tournament, excuse me. So in my mind, if you start the season Christmas, you have the in season tournament. You, you know, incorporate MLK day is always a huge day for the NBA. So maybe you do the finals on MLK day or something. And then you have your all-star break a little bit later. Maybe it's around, I don't know, after the NCAA tournament or something like that. And then you go a little bit further into the summer um, with the season. I, I think I, before that, I just think the the season's a bit too long in my opinion, but I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, I think as a positive I've been kind of going back and forth about this, but I think overall I'm into the play-in tournament. I think that's exciting. I think that's a way to get players incentivized and, you know, paying the money for winning. I think that's pretty cool. So I'm down for that. I like that the finals are going to be in Vegas. And I like that maybe you have, you know, the finals of this in-season tournament in different cities, um, that are not super popular, so maybe you do it in Orlando, maybe you do it in San Antonio. There's something to incentivize fans to go, or, or even internationally. I think that'd be pretty cool because a lot of these international games. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, for for me, I don't really care <laughs> when they play, you know, overseas. But if it's a you know in season tournament overseas, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's cool for international fans to see something of consequence. So I would like to see that. Um, probably the third thing that least have addressed this is flopping. You know, I think flopping is pretty terrible. I think what occurred in my mind is, you know, I brought this up before my girlfriend and you know, she's not a sports fan, but her impression of LeBron James is flopping. And like, this mm. is could be arguably one of the top two players who ever lived. And in her mind, he flops and she, you know, that's not the impression that I think as a basketball fan, I want, you know, any new fan to have is one of the top players in the league to be a flopper. And so I think, um, having harsh penalties for that to discourage that. Um, I'm glad the league is pursuing that this upcoming
1: season.
0: Uh, but that's, that. that's what I have in mind. Other than that, I agree with you. I enjoyed the depth. I think, I don't want to sound like the old man here, but you know when we were watching 90s basketball, it seemed like there was a lot of irrelevant teams that didn't really matter as much. And I think now if you're an NBA fan, if you're a league pass fan, you're going to get your money's worth seeing a rookie, seeing a team on the rise, you know, seeing, you know, look at the Indiana Pacers, the Sacramento Kings, you know, even like, take a look at the Pistons, even though they are terrible, they still have some good young players, Oklahoma City, like these teams that don't get the fanfare, there's value in seeing a play as opposed to, you know, the 2000s, the 90s, you like seeing, you know, the Thunder play the Pistons, <laughs> like what is, what is the value of that, you know, back in the day compared to now. So I think the league's on the right path.
1: Yeah, so a lot there. Let let's unpack a little bit of that. I I agree with you. I anticipate. I I feel heavy anticipation for that play in tournament during the season. I want to see how that goes, and I, I want to see how it's it evolves over time because I think this first season is just going to be sort of trying it out. It doesn't feel to me. I mean, you can sure you can give financial bonuses to these teams that's going to matter the most to the guys at the end of the bench not getting many minutes i i feel um but it's it's something and i think it can grow from there i hope it is something that makes the regular season more entertaining because i think that's something that the nba is really uh, it, it's in, at certain points of the season, it feels like the regular season doesn't have as much value as it should as a regular season being one of the major sports, you know, it's not quite baseball where it's like a games. over a hundred <laughs> games. Yeah. I, I believe it's 162 games <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. Um, the NBA, um, yeah. So I guess my first point, is in line with what you said with the season tournament. I think one thing that I would like to see is making divisions more consequential again to try and stoke future rivalries and and intensify future rivalries. Um, Now I know part of it is because of the success of these teams in this era, but specifically a situation that happened, I believe in the 2007, 2008 season between the Spurs and the Mavericks uh, there was actually an, the way the regular season ended caused a lot of controversy because I believe the Mavericks won the division championship and I might have this flipped. I apologize if I do, but the point is they got, I believe it was the third seed uh, as a lock by being one of the division winners. And I'm, what I'm saying is I'm cool with that. I want divisions to be important. The Spurs had a better record uh, or maybe not a better record, but they had, um, they were a big threat and might've had a better record than their opponent in that first playoff round, but they were a lower seed because they weren't division champs. People didn't like the result just from that one season. And so it's, it's kind of one of those things where the NBA is very good about making changes and trying things out. But sometimes I think we try things out a little bit too quickly. And that's one of the things where that division significance went away and it's purely based on record I think that makes a lot of logical sense in terms of wins and losses, but I think it does make divisions feel a little more meaningless. So I would personally, and I'm an old head, whatever, traditionalist, but I would like to see there be more significance placed on divisions. Again, I think it's something that could help out the regular season. Um, In terms of, Flopping, Justin. I'm right there with you. We're we're of the same mind as far as that goes, and and we've talked about it. We're glad the league is making some changes on that, and I hope they stick. In line with your point about that, I want to bring up another point about just the physicality of the league. Because interestingly, uh, three seasons ago, now at this point, um, their teams were scoring on average 112 point some per game. And season before last season, that number went down to 110 per game. It was the first time that that number has decreased, uh, I believe, since 2018. Wow. And part of that was, as you probably remember, the refs were allowing more physical play. The, there was kind of this toughness uh, in the regular season that we hadn't seen before. This past season, that number, we got away from that. That number went back up to 114.7 points per game in the season. Now, for myself, I think that number needs to be somewhere between 100 and 108 points per game to get a, a more balanced game of basketball. Uh, and I think also where I'm going with this is there was a study that was conducted that showed that injury rate has gone up from 2017 to 2021 in the NBA. And part of that, I, I think, now this is correlation. So you, you can't, of course, ascribe causation to correlation, but I think part of the injury rate going up is also the pace of the game going up. If you think more times jumping, more times racing down the court, more mileage running, uh, but it's, it's not mileage like a marathon race. It's unpredictable mileage. It's cutting, it's sprinting, it's different pacing. Uh, This is causing more unique injuries from what this study found um, and and more frequency of injuries. So some injuries that we haven't really seen all that often before have been coming up um, and and just more frequent injuries. And so, of course, that leads to us not seeing the players that we that we love and want to see play. Uh, So long winded way to get to. I would like to see the hand check come back. I said it last year. I'm trying to make more and more specific cases for it. I don't think it would impact the game to a point where we would see like nineties or early two thousands basketball at this point. But I do think it would slow players down on their way to the basket, causing less awkward falls and less speed towards the hoop, less turned ankles, less overall injuries. And I think there's been, I mean, even before the off season hit, we had people arguing. Actually, it was it was during the Giannis injury, we had people arguing that um, the the charge should be taken away. We should take charges away as sort of a defensive option for people. So what? We just get out of the way and let people dunk it, and it looks like the All Star game. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. I want some advantages for the defensive team. I want to give them another advantage, and that would be the hand check. So. Sorry, I went so long there. No, I'm no. passionate about this topic.
0: <laughs> no, I feel you.
1: Um,
0: I, I think I'm agreeing with you physical play is always better. I don't know how much is gonna affect scoring just because the three-point shots are prevalent. Um, I know a lot of the older journalists have expressed their displeasure of you know, moving the moving the game from the basket to more the three-point shot. I like that. I like you know, the game evolving that way. At the same time, I do like it more physical. So I think there's a happy medium They can also be physical. So I I feel you on that
1: for sure. Yeah, and I think, you know, just being able, like I'm not saying, I mean, I think people have this idea in mind of a hand check as like a really violent, aggressive thing, and it's it's not. It's just you being allowed to put your hand on that player and and sort of, you know, sort of like kind of keep – your eyes on them so to speak or kind of keep more of your proprioception on them with your your hand on them. And yes, what if they have the ball and they're posting you up, which as you correctly pointed out doesn't happen as much nowadays. Yeah, you can push against them and resist a little bit when they push into you, but some of that kind of is is happening anyway in in the post game. So really it would just help, I think slow things up on the perimeter. I just want to see it tried. But I don't know that it's really that big of a concern for the the league office um, now, because as you said, I mean business is good. The NBA isn't isn't losing money. Uh, things are are peaking, and they're likely to get the biggest, you know. TV deals in history the next time it comes up. I mean there's there's no projection I've seen that predicts money is is going away from live sports in general and NBA certainly included in that. Now this last one is my most controversial one and I'm just putting it out there as a brainstorm as an idea all right. So don't come at me too hard. I just want to like put up the concept here because I know There's been so much big talk about like player empowerment over the past decade that, so let let me get to it. We have this thing called bird rights. So when a player stays with their team three years or longer, usually it's, it's four years when this comes into play, you can re-sign this player. It gives you the option to pay them a little bit more money. The bird rights were developed. Obviously it's named after Larry bird, kind of a reward for that team for retaining this player. And so it allows you, I don't have the percentages pulled up, but you can sign a player to a greater percentage than just a hundred percent of the maximum money. They're guaranteed my thinking. uh, And I would love to know your guys' comments. And of course your comments, Justin, but it, we have this mechanism now that makes no sense to me with the intention of the bird rights and again that intention being keeping your star player on your team being able to play pay your star player a little bit more for sticking with your team however bird rights are retained when a player does a sign and trade type of move so if I'm LeBron James and I want to go to Cleveland, I say, I'm coming home. Yes, this really happened. Uh, what you'll see teams do is to retain their bird rights, they'll do a sign and trade and then trade that player over. The team gets some, some assets. So that's the benefit of the sign and trade for the team. And for the player, they get to retain their bird rights. And I do question... And if, if we want, maybe we don't want this. As you said, sometimes the drama is a great thing. But if we want to emphasize rewarding players for sticking with franchises, that kind of thing, maybe that's not worth rewarding. But should a bird's right you know, take on a different form if it goes into a sign-and-trade sign type of deal? That's the question I'm posing.
0: Well, it's tough because they only have players just sticking with their team for money right? Like, do you want your players to be motivated by winning or do you want to be demotivated for the maximum amount of money they want to make for their entire careers? And for fans, they don't like that. I mean, fans, they're not the most empathetic. They, they want their players to win. So, and I think that can go hand in hand with signing them to a big money contract if they're really good, but at the same time, that can get murky. Um, I don't know. I think there there is a, there's a loophole in that situation yeah, it's something I would have to think about because I think you see a lot of players, um, I don't know, I think what comes to mind is like a Zion Williamson, right? Like right now he's going through a lot and there's a situation where you're in New Orleans, let's just say, I don't know, Brandon Ingram gets hurt. And you know, let's say Cedric McCollum, as this hypothetical situation, this would never happen, but you never know. Just let's just say he just hates it in New Orleans. He just wants out. He just, uh, just he, he hates the food. He wants to be gone. Then you're you're into a sense of. And I think I don't I don't know that his contract situation with Zion exactly, but you know, and just in a hypothetical scenario, like you mentioned. Like, is that the best for Zion to stay there just the way that they both treat? That's a toxic relationship with each other. But, yeah, he might be motivated to stay because of money. And I don't i don't know. I just don't know if that's the best necessarily for defense or for Zion or for the league itself. So, you know, I, I feel you on that. I think it's a, it's a murky situation. I think it's kind of a, a case-by-case basis. But at the same time, I do like players making the amount of money. I mean, I think I saw a thing on TikTok or – on YouTube or something in terms of how much taxes athletes pay and then you have to pay their oh, agent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Like, you know, you hear all these athletes make these, this type of money. I mean, a lot of it's going to the
1: government. Oh yeah.
0: yeah I mean, it's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. I
0: mean, they're, I mean, they're rich. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's not like we should feel necessarily sorry for them, but it's not like, you know, they're a, you know, an Elon Musk or a Mark Zuckerberg either. And yet they're putting their bodies out on the line every single night. So I think it's still somewhat lopsided in terms of like the owners of these teams compared to the players that are risking it all. I mean, the owners ultimately have that power, not necessarily the players that are, you know, risking themselves and, you know, have to pretty much give up any semblance of a normal life. Um, And there are perks with that, but ultimately the the owners, um, you know, have more of an advantage in terms monetarily wise. So I don't know. It's an interesting situation you bring up. I know you brought this up in the past, but I think I'm willing to see, you know, what would, how that would affect the league. I think the main thing is also like the players union would they be down for that too.
1: Yeah. And that's why I think ultimately it probably wouldn't happen because there is such a strong players union and you'd have to think they, (laughs) they would put the thumbs down on that for sure. I mean, unless the owners, completely like wouldn't sit down at the negotiating table at the CBA, which I don't think this is a big enough issue to, to warrant that kind of uh hardline negotiation. You know, yeah. I guess my question is kind of just like, you know, and, and I don't know the answer either. You know, you're, you're right in that I, I would need to sit and think about it too. Cause I don't know what the ripple effect would be. And also it's, it's not always, I mean, I certainly, you know, don't get it twisted. I don't have the idea that, I'm not saying you're saying this, but I don't have the idea that like top three draft pick gets picked by a team. No matter what, he needs to stay with that team and be a franchise player. Like, obviously it's it's not going to work that way. So I think there might be, some sort of happy medium you could do with a, with a sign and trade type of situation yeah. like that. Cause also you're right. And I am sympathetic to players having that shorter shelf life and they're not going to be able to make this type of money. I mean, unless they're a mega star and they go on to build their empires, but let's face it, that's a, that's a small percentage of even the top percentage of NBA players, you know, the, the top stars and all stars. Um, so yeah, I think it's just an interesting, you know, kind of thought concept to to hash out there. So we got one more topic unless Justin, did you have any anything else you wanted to add to the list? I don't. I'm good. Right on. So there are some things that that it sounds like both you and I would want sort of changed or or at least examined, at least conversations being had about it, but all in all, I mean, the league is going very strong you and I both agree on the talent in the league and, and the league being in a pretty good spot overall. Um, so we'll see what happens. Uh, and, and I'm very curious. I, I think it could have huge positive impact with the the flopping rule changes that you mentioned. So, so I'm excited for that. We've got one more story to cover that, you know, maybe is not as significant on the court itself but is significant to us in our homes and that's right mark jackson is out at espn um so there was there was talk of mark jackson i think moving on to their their sort of b team broadcast squad Uh, he wasn't for that the network is looking to save money anyway and i just Realize this article we have pulled up is by Richard Dice at the athletic friend of the show. So shout out mm-hmm. to him. Um, so question being, of course, who is the a team going to be at ESPN? We have the answer to that as well. There, the network is looking to promote Doris Burke from that B team to the a team and then sign doc rivers to be lead NBA analysts along with play by play announcer, Mike Breen, who, Uh, really actually kind of expressed some disappointment in losing Mark Jackson and Jeff Van Gundy said that they had kind of a dream team scenario in in his mind and he was hopeful that they would be able to do that for decades uh, together as broadcasters but you know the uh, things change quickly in the 2020s uh and this is one of those changes justin i just want to ask your your reaction on this change um what do you think of of this news
0: yeah i'll try to be concise we'll see i might fail in that endeavor but um number one i think Mike Breen is correct with his concerns is chemistry, right? Now, the the good news is that with Doc Rivers and with Doris Burke, they both have done color before. And I think Breen's worked with both of them. I know for Doris for sure, Doc Rivers, I would say yes. So putting them together, I don't think that would be too difficult in terms of their chemistry. So just from you know listening to them, I don't think that would be too much of an issue. They're really professional. Uh, I have thoughts on Doris Burke. I think I like her as an analyst. I think I'm in a minority. It seems like every time I see Doris Burke trending, people are trashing her. It's her and Reggie Miller. <laughs> Whenever I see them trending, is usually <laughs> like they're, they're getting killed on Twitter in terms of how they're commentating a game. I think the difference with Doris is that there's a lot of sexism involved in that. And so I think that's what's going to be a struggle for her And this endeavor is just... You know, getting a fan base that is used to male announcers, used to a female voice. I like Doris. I like her perspective on the game. I think she has a lot of experience, not only being a sideline reporter, but also being a color analyst as well. So I'm excited to listen to that. Um, I like Doc Rivers. I mean, to me, I don't know. It's people like Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, they kind of got on my nerves. I don't know. They're kind of irritating. I don't care about Van Gundy's new rules. I just think he's just kind of a curmudgeon. And to me, I'm not being ageist because with Hubie Brown, I mean he's older than both of them, and he's great. I love Hubie Brown personally. Me too. I like to see him as, the, as, the, as the, part of the A team, to be honest. Just um, because I like his approach to the X's and O's of the game, he he's very psychological in terms of breaking it down, in terms of what happens in this and that scenario. I like that, and I just to me, they're kind of irritating, um, specifically Jeff Van Gundy. So I appreciate the change. Um, i'll say this and then i'll pass it to you i think you know does this matter in the long run in terms of your fan base watching basketball i don't think it does to be completely honest i think you know we're in a streaming world where a lot of your fan base consumes highlights via social media it's short bites it's not through you know commentary so you know when we were growing up these commentators were important because they're watching the entire game there's no way how are you gonna watch the Michael Jordan play? I mean, if you missed it, you missed it. There's no way of <laughs> catching it now I mean you can not you can miss the game and watch LeBron. you could catch an eight minute breakdown of the game so play by play commentary to your younger fan base, I don't think it's as critical as it is to us as adults. so in terms of the product, I don't think it's that big of a deal in the long term except to maybe your older fan base, and even then you know they're gonna watch the games and also get the we're in gambling as well um so i think there's other motivating factors of watching the product besides just your you know commentators that are you know focusing on that so you know it's unfortunate you don't like to see people lose their jobs that sucks uh, but at the same time as a viewer of the product um i don't think it's going to matter that much in the long run
1: yeah and you do wonder you know if first thing that comes to mind for me with the news about mark jackson and then i'll talk about the new team he had so many years where he was like always placed in any coaching report as like he one was. of the top candidates. Yeah, always. And it it seems or kind of feels to me like that ship has sailed a little bit, maybe too much time away from the league. But I do wonder if he maybe gets on an NBA bench somewhere and works back to head coaching position, or if he's, you know hired at TNT or does does something else that um, that we don't know about. I mean he's yeah. he's made good money as as a broadcaster and a coach and a player. So uh the man is is well set. But I am curious to see what Mark Jackson does next. Uh now in terms of this this new crew and, and I'm probably more of a Jeff Van Gundy fan. Not that you said you're not a fan of his, but I'm I'm probably a little bit more favorable with him yeah. and we'll miss him on the call than than I would say most people. Um, but I, I think my concern with the Breen, Doris Burke, Doc Rivers crew as your A-team is a little bit with the energy of the broadcast. Like I, I could see that being a really mellow broadcast, not, not that, and, and certainly there's a spectrum. You don't want like too much energy. And you don't want uh, too little energy either. I think where people ultimately, Doris has great basketball knowledge. I I agree with the things you mentioned about her. I do wonder if, if people haven't seen her on broadcast, which I mean, just about any hardcore NBA fan has experienced Doris Burke calling a game. So I don't think the hardcore fans are really, going to be surprised if if you don't like her you'll continue to not like her if you do like her you'll continue to like her but i do wonder how it'll translate uh i guess sort of on the greater mainstream because she is very very um not not quite monotone but very very mellow uh with you know just just the natural like tone of her voice and I wonder if that's going to be a hangup for some people. I think, mm. you know, that's kind of silly in some ways. Yeah. If it is, I, yeah. we'll, we'll see. I, I'm curious to
0: see how they gel. I don't think so. Because, you know, if you're in a moment, right? Let's just say it's, you know, you brought up Phoenix and it's, I don't know, Phoenix versus Milwaukee in the NBA Finals. You know, and, you know, two seconds is left and the game's tied, game seven. You're not going to hear Doris Burke calling That's Mike Brain. And Mm. so he's the one bringing the energy in terms of calling that moment. Good point. So with color, usually they're the ones that are like bringing analysis to that moment. The soundtrack is going to be brains to handle. So I don't think that's going to be too much of a problem. Like in the 90s, like, you know, the color commentators on the NBC, I thought, you know, Bill Walton, you know, (laughs) he was funny, but you know, those moments, you're looking for Bob Costas or you're looking for Marv Albert right the those moments or even now with kevin harlan or you know, as you mentioned mike breen so i think with them i don't think it's that big of a deal um i think with doris she she provides a lot, some you know honest commentary on what's going on in the court so that's going to be interesting to hear her opinions and doc rivers as well they're both fairly honest so whether you agree or disagree with them so i'm looking forward to hearing their opinions but i, I agree too much uh energy it can be a detriment i mean look we've seen the inside the nba crew as much as they're praised you know we've seen them call games i mean i think it sucks (laughs) i mean i don't want to hear charles barkley call four quarters of a game i know um but do i want to see him you know do halftime and post-game analysis absolutely so i think to your point if like too much energy absolutely that could be a detriment yeah
1: and i think another Thing that's interesting, I mean, why they may have good chemistry. I mean, Doris Burke. One of the comments about her was that she was such a Philadelphia fan throughout the playoffs, and of course, Doc was coaching that team at the time. So, hey, they can they can shake hands there. I'm sure they already get along great and know each other well. Uh, So, I don't anticipate any issues with chemistry and that kind of thing. More so, I, I think by chemistry, you know what what you and I mean is like picking their spots at the right time, not, not yeah. talking over each other or knowing, um, you know, when to trade off. But I mean, all three of those are, time. are top yeah. professionals. They'll, mm-hmm. they'll figure that out. I think yeah, for sure. pretty quickly. All right. Any other topics or side notes you wanted to get into today, Justin?
0: No, uh, just let our audience know just to check out our previous interviews. Uh, we have a lot of you know, interviews, of course, covering this past season, but also a lot of interviews with a lot of authors that are evergreen. You can listen to them anytime. So please check out our archives. Our most recent interview, like you mentioned, Matt, with Kyle Speller. And just make sure you check us out on all social media platforms as well. We have our latest updates. So just, uh, like Matt said, keep on track for the rest of the season and send us an email as well, hoopsologypod at gmail.com.
1: Absolutely. For Justin Goodrum, I'm Matt Thomas. You guys take care. We will see you very soon in the lab with Hoopsology. Peace. See you next time.